The TSW Roundtable is a proud member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Head to StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the TSW Roundtable, I am Robert Cass, and I'll be your moderator once again, and it is a great pleasure to uh, introduce a couple of fellows from the network. Uh, as you know, if you've listened to this show before, usually we have a few hosts from around the Star Wars Commonwealth Network join me, and we are usually joined by some listeners, but... We have somebody on from the very, the left coast or the west coast in uh, San Diego today. And in order to get the times right, we're kind of having a North American party here. And yeah. most of uh, most of the VIPs, of course, if uh, I know you're listening and we miss you and we wish you were on, but we just couldn't make the times work because right now I think it's stupid o'clock in the UK as we're recording. So we're just going to, we got a bunch of questions from you guys and we appreciate it and we'll be passing them around the the round table and we'll see how it goes so our first co-host is eric from the san diego sabers hello hello how you doing very good hey eric it's uh so you're you're the san diego sabers the newest show on the on the network yeah yeah it's really cool it's a privilege to be part of it yeah well we're happy to have you and uh, i've had a chance to listen to your show and it's 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 excellent like i just it's well thank you it's uh i think the, with this network, every, where everybody's filling in a certain niche, you mean, and you guys have, right. you guys have a great general show, and you have great general conversation about Star Wars overall, but also you can get it, you can explain all the saber stuff in a little bit, but also you have a, you fill another void we were missing, something we didn't quite cover over the network. Oh, cool. Well, yeah, I'm glad we could do that and be a part of it. Awesome. Okay. Well, before we get into that, um, I'd like to introduce uh, our next co-host, and I finally got him from the Tumbling Saber, and now I've officially collected them all, just like <laughs> my Pokemon friend, Steve, from the Tumbling hey, Saber. Hey, Rob. Hey. <laughs> now, you do uh, you do the uh, niche show, uh, Journals of the Willing, with, with Kyle, right? Right, right. So we cover all of the novels, the comics, all of the printed materials that contribute to the overall canon awesome yeah and that's and that's uh what is it you guys go bi-weekly or monthly we plan to do bi-weekly so twice a month um you know last couple i just started a new job so scheduling has been kind of tough lately right so we've been late a couple of times <laughs> yeah but um it happens and yeah, exactly. uh, but yeah and also too if you guys are chewing down novels like like not only do you have to schedule time to record your show you have to you mean get through an entire novel like and 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 like you know i i'm sure everybody reads at different speeds but even just life in general getting in a way like that must be kind of overwhelming sometimes like (laughs) absolutely i mean it feels almost like being back in english class like it's like i gotta get this book done by the deadline and um (laughs) i actually converted over to uh doing audiobooks just because with the work i'm doing it just kind of makes it easier. I'm a social worker, so my previous job, I was doing a lot of house visits. Right. So I would have crazy car, like commutes in the car. So I would just have all this time to listen to something. So rather than like carving out like a couple hours close to midnight, I um I would just kind of listen along. Awesome. So that's how I was able to keep up with the last few. 
Yeah, no, it's it's tough. Believe me, I do it too. I have the luxury of being able to have an earbud in my ear at work. And no, I'm not, I mean, a psychiatrist or anything like that where I should be paying attention. I can, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, so I understand that. Yeah. And uh, once in a while, I'll get an audio book and just plug it in my ear and just, it's, it's a great way to keep up, especially now because everything is canon. Like there's nothing like with legends put aside and everything you pick up and read, like whether it be comics or the, or the, the, the books, like everything counts now. You know, yep. So Excellent. Okay, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to pass it back to Eric. Uh, because you are the, the new show on the network, can you um, let us tell us a little about what you do with the uh, the lightsaber? Is it is it dueling? or and I'll just let you carry on with it because I don't want to sound too simple about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no problem. Um, essentially, we have a saber combat school. And uh, when I say saber, obviously lightsabers. But it's unique in the fact that we have a lot of different people, um, students uh, and knights alike, from very different aspects and backgrounds of swordplay. So it's essentially uh, a good way to think of it is like a mixed martial arts of swordplay. Right. So we use we use uh, the lightsabers, like the Ultra Sabers, Saber Forge, those kind of uh, battle-ready lightsabers. And we practice in uh, two different parks, depending on what day it is. Wednesday is at a different location than Saturdays. And uh, I teach general classes and uh, more advanced classes for knights and elite members. And then my wife actually teaches uh, beginning classes. And what we teach is essentially foundational forms like Shicho, okay. which is general stuff that applies to most forms of sword play or uh, bladed combat. And then depending on where you want to go after that or what kind of background you've had already, uh, you would probably be like, let's say if you were a fencer, you'd probably be drawn more to Makashi. Um, if you participated in a lot of HEMA or uh, European style martial arts, you'd probably be drawn to Gem So. Okay. And so we kind of, uh, we kind of, essentially it's a big big combat school for lack of a better term well no that's that's excellent so you must uh, like um when you're watching movies or especially star wars films like mm -hmm. when you see something like do you recognize stuff that us the layperson when it comes to saber fighting or dueling would not pick up on like, um when i'm sorry no no i was just gonna say uh let's say the uh what was that last uh rebels episode from the animated series when uh, Obi-Wan took on Darth Maul? Oh, yes. That was Sarisu at its finest. <laughs> yes. Ex okay, yeah. So when I saw that, I'm, I, when I looked at it, like I said, and I have no idea what they're doing. I'm not a... I'm, I don't, do not pretend to know anything about that. But I go, oh, I see Obi-Wan. I see he made, like, the Qui-Gon stance from Phantom Menace, and then he sees Darth Maul recognize it, and then he knows what he's going to do on the next move, so then he gets them in two strikes and it's over. Like I, that's what that's because just from being a huge Star Wars fan, that's what I see. But you must see, like, am I kind of close? Am I? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you pretty pretty much actually because um, the lightsaber form three, uh, yeah, form three Sarisu is essentially what Obi Wan had mastered completely. Okay, uh, I believe Mace said that he wasn't a master of the form; he was the master of the form. Oh wow! And okay. And what Form 3 is, is essentially uh, complete defense. And okay. so it's it, very few things are stated to be able to get through a Master of Sarisu. And because uh, this is 
this part is getting into headcanon, but <laughs> but when you have someone like Darth Maul who is trained in all forms mildly, but heavily favored um, Juyo, which is the seventh form, highly aggressive, uh, wildly unpredictable. Okay. Uh, Ob- Obi-Wan had fought him before, and Obi-Wan was much older and much more experienced now, and... It- it's said that a well-practiced Juyo was one of the few things that could break a Form 3 guard, but after all that Maul had been through and, and Obi-Wan had been through, Maul was just kind of scraping by to survive at this point. Right. And I mean, Obi-Wan was in a similar position, but he had many years to refine and really master his form. And if you notice in the episode, Maul went in to do a similar attack to what he did to Qui-Gon back on Naboo, and Obi-Wan just closed him out and just ended yeah. the fight immediately. Yeah, see, that's when I watched it. I know, I mean, Steve, you saw the episode, right? Right, right. Yeah, so, and when I when I saw it, I'm like, I just noticed Obi-Wan taking that, that stance at Qui-Gon. I, I, I don't know if he was baiting him just to see if he would react similar, and then, like, it's almost, it's like a chess match. It's like, he's like, okay, I got you in three moves. Like, once yeah. he recognized what he was doing. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, with a lot of the newer stuff, you can see a lot of uh, like the canon form influence on a lot of the combat. Right. Uh, which is quite different from the original trilogy and even <laughs> some of the uh, sequels. But uh, they've definitely worked in like legitimate forms, like at least their forms, the right. classic labor forms, into the newer material. Awesome. And so, yeah, that's the, you know, and it's like I said, it's another kind of little niche that you fill and like even with steve when your journals of the journals of the willing when you're covering the novels like that's a, I mean, that's a huge area i know skyhoppers have jumped on and they're doing a monthly novel show too and it's it's but there's so much ground to cover uh recently i started i i'm uh, joined the astromech builders club so i'm about 40 oh, percent into a, an r2 build so mm. it's yeah, so it's really good. Like it's that's kind of my little thing. I do a little YouTube stuff for uh, for talkstarwars.co.uk, and of course now you have uh, Rob from Generation X Wing. He's uh, the five hundred first rookie. He's trying to get into the five hundred first, so he's kind of covering that ground. So like we got a lot of people covering a lot of bases that no one person could ever possibly do. Like you can be the biggest fan in the world. There's no way you're gonna do it all. Yeah, absolutely. There's so much out there. All right. Well, what I'm going to do, I'm going to pop on. I'm going to get a – we're a little bit into the show. We're going to squeeze in a question here uh, to start things off. And uh, this one is from uh, Star Wars – Talk Star Wars VIP Matt Keegan all the way from Australia. And no, I'm not going to use the accent. My Canadian one will have to suffice. Okay, here's his. Uh, here's what he uh, posted today. He said, uh, "Here's an observation: Humans seem to be the dominant species when it comes to being a Jedi. Alien species are the minority here. So, why are humans the minority when it comes to pod racing? The chosen one is the only human to have ever raced a pod racer. His reflexes are slightly superior to an alien species, yet aliens make up less Jedi numbers. Are aliens just naturally?" Uh, have a natural agility for lightning flash reflexes without um, high midichlorian count and why do midichlorians favor humans so steve <laughs> did you get all that, that what, is a, basically it's an saying, interesting question yeah basically saying you know anakin was the only human race pod races and obviously we know why because he is the chosen one you know like we know the reasons why his reflexes are so good and uh he's asking are aliens just 
got quicker reflexes and why do midichlorians seem to favor humans i think oh it's hard to think of an in-canon reasoning behind it right um, I feel like it's from a Lucasfilm perspective. I think as fans, they want to, us to see ourselves in the Jedi. So I think from a story standpoint and the writing, um, it just makes sense to have more human Jedi and Sith. Right. Being that those are kind of our main protagonists and antagonists. Yeah. So as, you know, and only humans are watching these movies. Yeah, of so, course. <laughs> You know, I mean, I don't know. My dog does kind of get into Star Wars when yeah. it's on, but probably for the, the lights and sounds. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think it just comes from a story standpoint. Um, but, I mean, within canon, I'm sure there's some reference somewhere. Um, maybe particular races are just more agile, so therefore maybe they're more prone to pod racing or some more physical um, sport or what what have you. Right. Um, and, I don't know, I think it also just depends on also the... Uh, the society within it. I mean, if you know, if humans are c- connecting, if humans are a little more tight knit, yep. um, perhaps there's more communication there. Therefore, if someone is more prone to midichlorians, perhaps there's just more. Oh, okay, I'm going to send you off to. Yeah, yeah, maybe happened. it's more accepted. Like, I'm sure not every Bith is a musician that mm-hmm. that wishes he was playing in a, in a cantina somewhere. You mean, uh, I, I mean, I'm right. sure, you know, that's, it's just one of those things, I guess. It's one of the, like, and like you said, everybody's human. Um, Eric, what do you think? Do you think uh, there's anything to this or is it just, you film? know, <laughs> I was thinking pretty much along the same lines. I mean, it's, it's a matter of relatability when it comes to making the film, uh, as far as talking about, you know, mainly human or humanoid esque, uh, main characters and Jedi. Right. And then. As far as the pod racing goes, I mean, you know, there are certain species of insects, such as like flies. If you ever find it hard to swat a fly sometimes, it's because they can perceive things moving a bit slower than they actually are. So they kind of see it a little bit faster. So they have more time to react. Yeah. That's almost like a, it's almost, I'm sorry, but it's almost like a frames per second when it comes to film. Like if we're seeing 32, they're seeing like 64. So everything yeah. is slightly skewed for. So if that, if you're saying if that pertains like to aliens, maybe there's your answer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's what I was trying to say. Um, and yeah, I feel like in universe, it's kind of hard to come up with an answer for that one because I'm not sure it's ever been stated, right. um, like why. But I feel like just different makeup of aliens has something to do with it as far as pod racing goes. Yeah, of course. No, and well, for me, I think um, obviously Steve has a great point when it becomes a relatability. And also, I think maybe it was just the pain in the butt of putting in somebody makeup for an entire movie. Like it's okay for scenes, like the cantina scene is wildly full of aliens, but it's that's not the whole movie. You see the pod race, which is a ton of aliens but again that's not for the whole movie but your main characters are human because it's easier to dress them up and get your shooting done uh that's and if you notice like the the clone wars and rebels they have a lot more especially the clone wars they have a lot more alien jedi because it's animation it doesn't take any more money or funds or any to to animate an alien than it does to animate a human actually it's probably easier to animate an alien because you don't have to get it so perfect to the eye Right. I'd be that... curious to see what we what we see moving forward, because obviously the in canon reasoning is the only Jedi around 
that we know of are Skywalker lineage. Right. Um, and they're obviously humans. So I'd be curious to see, you know, especially Luke's school, you know, moving forward, episode eight, nine, if we get some flashbacks or something, how many of those Padawan were human versus alien? Yes. I'd be curious to see that makeup. Oh, so, so many questions to be answered. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's just, <laughs> that's, that's the problem. I, I, I was discussing this. I did a, I recorded a TSW Comics. That's that monthly comic show I do with, with Mark from uh, Talk Star Wars. Yep. We recorded that this morning, and I was up. We started recording at 8 in the morning here. Well, he was mm. 1 in the afternoon in, in the UK. but we re- And so I was recording first thing in the morning. Now I'm recording a little bit later in the evening. But we were discussing that too. Every, it seems like every rock you turn over for Star Wars, and every time you pull a string and you think, oh, here's my answer, well, that string just keeps coming out and it just spills out into way more questions like it's like another rabbit hole you fall down it's like oh well here we go so (laughs) awesome okay well i think we got that covered but oh uh speaking of mark here's a segue uh mark uh, when i was talking to him this morning he uh he had a question so i said well tweet it at me and uh here it is he said uh for the tsw roundtable uh, Mark from Talk Star Wars says, do you think Ryan Johnson might introduce force possession into Star Wars canon and have Snoke be a body inhabited by an ancient Sith spirit? Um, mm. Eric, we'll throw it to you first. What do you think of that loaded wow. question? Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, that's really interesting. I would, I'd be okay with that. I think that'd be really cool, actually. Uh, there's a lot of legend stories with forced spirits and like ancient entities and i think that'd be actually pretty cool because uh the body that snoke's in now or from what we've seen doesn't look very capable at least at first glance um again you know not to judge something by its appearance (laughs) with uh what yoda says but yeah i i'd be okay with that i think that might actually be plausible yeah, it, um, uh, Steve, what do you, you think there's anything to this? Do you think force um, possession? It, it's definitely possible. Um, I think as far as the new canon goes, we're definitely seeing hints of that being more possible. Um, if For anyone who's following the Dr. Aphra series, yes. um, you know, the essence of Roar, an ancient force user, um, was placed in a kyber crystal and has been able to communicate. So there's some force spirit jumping happening right um so whether that's just the story group putting in little hints of like what's to come so that's that's like what i'm always vigilant now i was like you know we're we're reading all these stories um and we're always thinking oh well they can't do too much because they're tied to a specific timeline we know this person needs to live this person needs to die yada yada but you know i'm always wondering is like these little new aspects are they just kind of like priming the fan base for these bigger concepts um, and just kind of like taking the temperature. So because of that Roar storyline alone, I think it's definitely possible. Yeah. Well, I think uh, because of what you're saying, I also do. I'm, I just read Dr. Afro number nine this morning and I was, uh, I think you're right with, if you combine the ability to have a force ghost, obviously like they're just a ghost and you combine, obviously the Jedi have the ability with this artifact. They can, possess certain things it's not too far of a stretch to say that the sith might be able to possess a sith spirit might be able to possess another person or another force capable person i don't know if midichlorians would have anything to do with that or would help in any mm. way um mm. 
I, 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 yeah, I think it's, I, I think it's possible. I really like. Of course, it's it's Star Wars. Anything's possible. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, you can you can do the Kelso run in what twelve parsecs? Like, sure, whatever. <laughs> like, so, um, I think. I think it's possible. Do I like the idea? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm just being the old curmudgeon guy okay, saying get off my lawn, but it just seemed I just I would be okay if Snoke was just his own thing. He's just an old guy. He's been around. Maybe maybe he's uh he's one of the authors of the journals of the wills. Like maybe he was there when stuff was being put from like you mean ink to parchment. Maybe that's what he is. You know, because it's not out of the realm of possibility to have somebody be really old in Star Wars. Well, look at Yoda. He was almost 900 when he died. You know, and so it's not, we're not handcuffed with the, okay, you can only go to 100, you mean 105 tops, and then boom, you got to be written out because you're a human or, you know, are susceptible to uh, just a, you got a 100 year span to play in. Like, obviously, with different aliens, we can go whatever you write. That's, you mean, that's what it is. Do I think it's possible? Yeah. Do I like it? Yeah, I don't know. No, not really. But I mean, we'll see. I don't know. I'm, I'm buying my ticket opening night anyway. It doesn't matter what they throw. <laughs> right, regardless. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It just. Uh, but what do you? Um, just a side note on this question. What do you guys uh, think? I go to Eric first. What do you think of all this the Snoke hype and theories? Like, are you okay with just being? Oh, here's Snoke. Here's a new guy. Or does does he have to tie in? Or is it just two Star Wars? Like. Like it just seems everything's about the Skywalkers, you know. Like everything has got to tie. Can it be its own thing? Are you? What do you think? Right. I mean, I feel like it is going to be its own thing, but I also understand the perspective of wanting Snoke as a character to tie into something else, uh, even if it's something vague or something from the past. Right. I think people people like that familiarity, or they. How do I say this? I'm a big fan of the character of Plagueis. So that's what I always wanted yes. was for him to be in an actual uh, movie. And so when the whole Snoke thing started to happen, it was like, oh, that'd be, that'd be pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. But it's because, and it's coming back to the familiarity aspect, like Plagueis, besides the novels, is only mentioned a few times in the movies and so, you know, people are familiar that this is a character, uh, but we don't really know a lot about him. So I, I think people that are in that camp of wanting Snoke to be something that we already kind of know about. Yeah. But, they want, uh, but they also, want to... sorry, they're not handcuffed with too much movie canon. They just, like, he's a name right. drop and they can go, they can just take it from there. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh... I, I really wanted it to be Plagueis for the longest time. Uh, it's not going to happen, but um, I, I definitely see both sides to it. Well, I think uh, Steve and I, I think we talked about this before. I got uh, Darth Plagueis, the, the Legends novel on audiobook. It's like 14 hours long, and I, without exaggeration, probably heard it 10 times. Like, I love that novel, and I think, like you said about Plagueis, my wish for him to be Plagueis like I don't I don't I prefer him just to be his own thing but if he's going to be something like and I'm really I'm with you I'm really rooting for Plagueis it's just because that novel was so awesome but now yeah now now I have to kind of separate it going okay that doesn't count anymore that's you mean right. so I have to take my because I've like oh I want that novel 
to be canon. Like, if I got to take, you know, if I've got to pick five novels from Legends to be canon, that's going to be number one for me anyway. <laughs> you know, so, so I'm right there with you. I just, uh, but again, I'm the same. He can be left alone. Steve, what do you, th- do you think? Do you, does he have to be a Skywalker again? Or what? Like- no, I, I think if Star Wars wasn't like an episodic space opera, I'd be okay with Snoke being Snoke and, you know, not really having any tie per se. Right. Um, you know, because it's like, you know, I think George Lucas said it's like poetry. There's stanzas, you know, and I think just because being a novel guy myself and just like I love storytelling just in general, the art of it. Right. Um, I, th- I think it being random or not really being tied to the DNA of the story that we know already. Okay. Kind of takes away from an arc. You know, I mean, because like, I feel like, you know, we have the standalone movies, we have the comics, we could explore these other sides of the universe. I think as far as the episodes go, there needs to, it needs to feel like a complete thematic story. Right. Um, and if he's not Plagueis, if he's not someone, you know, in the story itself, it needs to feel like it, there's a reason, like it's mirroring something or something that's something happened in the prequels or the original trilogy that led to Snoke existing. Okay. Um, I yeah, w- you know I, what I mean? I see exactly what you mean. Like, it's almost like if, if we watch force awakens and we, in hindsight realize, Oh, he's just this new thing. Um, then you can just make up anything. It's like, Oh, look at like, uh, the Jedi, they destroyed the second desk They're all partying on, I mean, uh, on Endor with the, with the, the Ewoks, and then all of a sudden, oh, I'll just make a new villain, and oh, now you're in peril again. Like, right? It, it almost has like a monster of the week vibe. Yes, yeah, you know. And I want there to be some thematic linkage. Um, whatever it is, I trust them. I yeah. think they have a good plan. You know, I'm gonna wait to see eight and nine before I can make like a final judgment. Yes, but of course. That's my hope is that there's some. Yeah nine episode arc that we can like look back and be like this is one story yeah well you know? I, yeah it's yeah i know i know it's a little another loaded question but i, I think I, i'm like with eric just because of my love of the darth plagueis i'd love to see him be plagueis but then i mm-hmm. i don't want anything to change from what i read so i think if he was right. plagueis and then he tweaked his t- character a bit i'd be like oh well no i don't like it like mm. you know what i mean like they could always retroactively canonize the novel i don't know how if they did, so from your experience, if they did that, would it contradict a lot? That's no nope. new canon. No, it wouldn't. Con- I don't think it would uh, contradict anything in the canon. But the problem is, then you start tugging on that. Well, what do you do with the Han Solo original, like his original trilogy of books, and what do you do with the Thrawn trilogy? What do you like? If I know that it's not going to happen, because if they pull out that string, then fandom will just go bananas. Right? Oh, we want this and we want that. You got, you, that's yeah. what you mean. Yeah. Well, you gave. Rob from, you know, I mean Toronto, Ontario, Darth Plagueis. I how come I can't get my original Thrawn trilogy down here and you know, I mean wherever? <laughs> right, right. You know what I mean? Like it, they can't. They just I understand why they can't. So, well, okay. Well, that was a, a loaded beginning to the show or the first half. So, um, I'm gonna take a quick pause. Uh, we're gonna hear from a sponsor and then we'll be back right back with uh, some more questions. So, we'll see you on the other side. All right, welcome back. Uh, okay, second half of the show, guys. We got a couple more questions. I'm gonna pull one up here. This is from Nathan Roberts. He's the uh, uh, VIP with uh, Talk Star Wars, and he messaged me this: 
What rights do clones have? <laughs> Very blanket statement. Um, Steve, I see um, you giggling over there. What do you, what do you oh think? Oh, jeez. It's, it's bringing up a lot of socioeconomic, political... Oh, I know, but I know. Anyway, um, yeah, they didn't ask to be created, so I feel... <laughs> I don't know. They're copies of people. They're humans. They yes, have human course. rights. I, like, I don't know. I'm going to go with that. They have human rights. I think yes. they have. Um, I mean, they were kind of born into slavery. Yeah. You know, and I think we've established slavery exists in the Star Wars universe. Um, they've established it's a it's a bad thing, just as it is in our universe. Of course. Yeah. Um, so I I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, exactly. And, that, and, and we know, obviously, like, we're not going to get too political and, or anything like that or start preaching at people. But we know from just general history that it's, you know, I mean, yeah, people are born in slavery and it's not, it wasn't good. You know what I mean? Like, you know, so I'm the same way. I think, yeah, sure. They're, they're obviously, they're people or whatever people are in the galaxy far, far away. It's like they're basically bred to be cannon fodder, which is horrible. You know, and then a lot of them are taught their whole short life because they're they got the speed growing going. I don't know. They're <laughs> mm-hmm. so uh, their 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 short childhood. They're taught to you mean be military and crave the military, and you know. So it's it's a it's just a uh, it's a sticky thing, and obviously it's of course they have rights. Yeah, they're you mean they're people. An interesting that, that that question came in because I just finished reading uh, the first two Darth Vader issues yep. um, for the new the volume two, and they get into this. Yeah, you know, I don't want to do too many spoilers, but in the second issue, um, Vader kind of comes across an old like a cargo bay with um, clone troopers, and they're kind of just like they're kind of given like these kind of BS missions now, you know, cat, you know. Uh, catalog this these jedi pieces and um you know they're kind of like wondering it's like what what's our life now that the clone wars are over um so i think it's just interesting you know that they're kind of exploring their feelings regarding and i'm i'm I'm, I'm quite sure that's because i i know nathan keeps up on it too i'm quite sure he was this is what he was getting at yeah with like the, the reason why you were bred basically is for war and once that's over like i was reading the same thing you were reading and it was they're doing menial tasks he's like well is this our life now so um eric uh what do you think is are we a clean sweep clones have rights or what rights do clones have is the question yeah absolutely i mean they're they're soldiers and they didn't even have the choice to be soldiers so i feel like they should be taken care of quite well afterwards if they live that long yeah yeah i think yeah they're they're people so yeah of course so, okay, yeah. So, Nathan, yeah, I think we got you there. I, I understand where you're coming from with that question. But, yeah, definitely. They're, as uh, as regular people, we're looking, yeah, they're people. They have rights. Do they have rights in Star Wars? No, they don't. Oh. You know I mean, <laughs> like, because they were born into the Empire or, sorry, the Republic and then turned Empire. Like, you mean, do they have them? No, because of the storytelling. But should they? Yeah, of course they should. All right, um, I got one more here, and if we're going to chew on this for a while, I'm quite sure. But um, Jeremy Rowling from uh, the UK, he put out this question to me. He said, every roundtable guest should give their rankings from one to seven and then have a heated debate. Now, obviously, he's talking the films, and I'm assuming he's leaving out Rogue One and the Clone Wars film. (laughs) Okay, so So no Rogue One. So, uh, well, uh, one to seven, yeah, um, 
you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna include Rogue One. What like obviously we'll leave out the animated, but just as far as the projected films or digitally projected, whatever they're doing now. <laughs> um, yeah, with uh, with every movie that's been out now, uh, I'm gonna go to Eric first. Do you have a standing list, or you have, uh, a, it, you have a revolving it, list? It, it it changes from time to time, usually depending on which ones I've watched most recently. Right. Uh, I'd have to say at the top though is usually either Empire or New Hope. Okay. Uh, usually followed by three. Um, I just, I love the fight scenes in that movie, and that's kind of like my whole thing. Is <laughs> I, I live for the martial aspect of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then probably Jedi, and yeah. then Force Awakens, and then one, and then two. Yeah, I, I can I completely see what you're saying with uh, Revenge of the Sith. One and two is it just was it the politicalness of them or just overall? Like, if you're just pulling your DVDs or Blu-rays or whatever you have out of your their case and you're putting them in, is one and two on the bottom just because of what they are? Or was it just too political, not enough Star Wars? No, it's it's purely based on how much I enjoyed the films. Okay. It, it, yeah, not really much to do with the politics because I just view that as world building. Yeah. yeah okay, great. Um, Steve? I'm just see, jotting down you. my list real quick. Yes, no, of course. I need, yeah, I need a, like I need a, like a visual so I could like follow yep. it along. Okay, so my top one kind of teeters um, between Empire and Force Awakens. Okay, um, and then, but I mean, at the moment, I could just say like five and seven. I'll put that in order just okay. for sake of putting it in order. Um, third, I would say Rogue One. Yeah. Uh, then New Hope. Yep. Then Return. Yep. Then Revenge, uh, then Phantom, and Attack of the Clones. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Well, you're uh, yeah, you're you're slightly different. Sorry, I didn't get. Uh, I got to go back to Eric for a quick second. Rogue One. Does that sit in there? In there anywhere? Does it? Oh, whoops. <laughs> yeah. Um, I enjoyed it. I would say I'd put that mm. above Force because you have like Empire, New Hope, Revenge of the Sith, Jedi, Force Awakens, one and two. I'd put it above Jedi. Okay, yeah. All right, sorry. Okay, now we'll get back to Steve here. Uh, okay, so Empire, I, do we have to get into the reasons? I'm sure, I'm, I know I, without giving anything away, that's probably going to top my list as well. All right, uh, all right. Force Awakens and Rogue One, these are the new ones that come out. Um, they trump everything else for you, Steve. So is there is there something, Absolutely. About, the, is there something about the new, the way they're heading or the new film, what they're doing um, with it? So I love just character development. I love character stories. Right. So for me, Rogue One and Force Awakens um, have been really character centric. Uh, And, you know, we have character development in the other films, but I feel like what Lucasfilm is doing now is they're really putting the characters up and center. Like it's not just plot heavy or action heavy. Um, Sure, there's crap ton of action. Um, you know, they're going to use that CGI for all it's worth, but, um, you know, I think Jin and Ray have been such strong protagonists as far as their arc and their development. Right. Um, so as well as, um, John Boyega is Finn, I think, you know, where he's coming from, um, you know, and 
Han Solo and, and Kylo Ren. I just I really love where they're taking these characters emotionally. Yeah. Yeah, I I I, I got to agree with you there. Like it's just it's something See, I teeter from uh let me well let me just off the top of my head. I'm just like like you Steve, I was taking the advantage of being the moderator and using the time to jot down a list of myself. <laughs> Because <laughs> even I didn't really, I you know, when you think about it, people ask you all the time, and they're like, ah, oh, yeah, here's my favorite, here's my least favorite. But what right, right. fills it up? Again, Empire, top of the list, and then not going too deep into it, just for what it was. I mean, it was just, um, I was in the theater when when I heard Luke, or when I heard, not Luke, but when he said, I am your father. You mean, so I got that immediate turn to my dad going, wait, what? <laughs> you mean like it was just my mind just blown all over that theater like it was just you know so um and for a bunch of other reasons it's held up it's great storytelling they just i love what they did with everything it ended on a huge bummer it was just like wow i just if for a sequel or a middle movie it made you whether you were a super star wars fan or not you had to see jedi when it came out like there's no way you weren't going to see. Absolutely. It. Like, I mean, it was just one of the. It's just the setup of it was great. Me, uh, number two, New Hope, again, because I'm. I mean, I'm of the age where I saw it at a drive-in with my parents when I was very, very, very young, and it started this whole thing for me. And for, uh, see, I don't know if uh, this is where it gets sticky. My next one is Force Awakens. Now I know that's not. That may be revolving. You can ask me in a month from now, or maybe ask ask me after the Last Jedi, with this new trilogy to see where it's setting up. That might drop. You mean it might? Depending, obviously, these aren't set in stone. But for me, Force Awakens did everything it should have done, um, from the trailer moments to Chewie, I'm home, to giving us all the, you know, like the old. I mean, I know a lot of people were, oh, they it's the same as New Hope or it's the same as this. Like, yeah, it, they had to, but they J.J. Uh, Abrams was given this thing where he had to make everybody happy, but at the same time, not worry about, I mean, at the same time, rope in some the new, the young right. generation. So I, for, for everything it was, I walked out, and I don't know if it was because I was so starved for Star Wars that it was like, uh, you know, comedian was Eddie Murphy said that he goes if you give a starving man a saltine cracker he's gonna think it's oh my god this is amazing this is fantastic like it you know like right, right, right. you know if you give somebody that's eating all the time and you give him a cracker he's like yeah no this is terrible it's cracker yeah could so I interject I, for a hot second yeah I uh no because I completely agree um and my usual rebuttal for someone who says oh it's the same thing as a new hope mm -hmm. I was like yeah but there is a twist to it and you have to kind of point at the climax of the story and that like the plot of the Force Awakens really isn't about blowing up Starkiller base. Right. The real, the real climactic moment is Ray and Kylo there. Like, if it was really a New Hope, Ray would have blown up Starkiller base. Yes. And she, you know, what I mean, like she wasn't. It wasn't her having using the Force, taking that shot. It was really Poe Dameron, and it was that was really kind of like a, like a B plot kind of C plot thing. Yep. You know really is that emotional arc so that's just usually what i say <laughs> yeah um okay well now we're on that i'm gonna bump back to eric what do you think force awakens that's like third from the bottom for you is it it did it not do it like obviously we're talking about star wars so yes we can leave the caveat of yes we love them all <laughs> you know what I mean? like you're, you're we're, whatever you're saying we're not going to take it as hating on on force it's awakens. A given. Yeah. <laughs> so um is it just because it just wasn't 
didn't live up to your expectations or were you just, that's where it sits on your list? Um, I was pretty much in the same boat um, as you guys when I saw it the first time and it was great. However, the more I would watch it, I've seen it probably at least a dozen times by now. Mm -hmm. Every time I would watch it, it not plot point by plot point similarities, but it more or less is a new hope. And as far as Ray goes, I had incredibly high hopes for Ray. Right. I think they Ridley did a great job uh, as Ray. I just think the character was not handled the way it should have been. And uh, I, there's just, it would take me a, a long time to really go into it. <laughs> yeah, but... no, no, I didn't believe, well, believe me. This is a safe place. Nobody's, and like I said, well, we're going on the assumption. I mean, you have a Star Wars podcast. Like, obviously, you're a fan <laughs> of the franchise. We're not I mean, throwing yeah. you under the bus. <laughs> now, yeah, I have no. to. Oh, go ahead. No, go oh, ahead, Steve. What no, I was going to say, I, I have to ask, like, you know, how, so what if they had handled Ray differently? Now, do, how much do you think of it is contributed to that they're holding off so much for episode eight and nine? Like, if you think back to, like, Luke Skywalker's story and A New Hope, I mean, they had made that not really thinking that they were going to make Empire Strikes Back. I mean, it really just wasn't. I mean, right. I mean, go back to like George Lucas says he has all this planned, but really, I mean, it was just going to be Star Wars and, you know, so, you know, Lucasfilm and the story group is really kind of planning this out. Now, do you think that they just kind of held back too much on Ray or like just kind of what do you think it was that contributed to that feeling? I, yeah, I do think that's a big portion of it. Like, <laughs> I, I do think that is probably the main contributing factor is that there is definitely more to come. And she was just. There was way too much that we didn't understand, but she was doing way too much for it to be believable. And I think that was the biggest issue I took with the character, uh, especially at just every time going through it and watching it. It's, it's I don't know. It's it just bugs me. No. Yeah. She's, yeah. That's understandable. And like like uh, Steve was saying with uh, Star Wars, he had this huge arc and there wasn't supposed to be two Death Stars. It's because mm -hmm. he wanted that Death Star explosion to be the, the last act, right? Except he, he needed, he only had one movie to make in 1976, yeah. 75, 76, and when it released in 77. So he had to, oh, I have to put the Death Star in because I got I to gotta make my whole movie and I got to squeeze it all <laughs> into like an hour and whatever minutes it is. You know what I mean, so you're, you're right. I think Steve's right where it's like um, Ray might be a slow burn kind of thing like he's they're getting they yeah. know what they're doing but uh but again as like this is just taking the movies for what they are if you're watching force awakens i completely understand where you're coming from like it's you know i mean i it's it's completely normal to say yeah i'm just that doesn't quite satisfy me on it's as it we stand it alone now when you finish the trilogy you might oh well you know what i got it you know but absolutely yeah, yeah. once they once they fill in all that stuff it's going to completely fix the character of course and as a right. Oh, it's just, it's not flying for me. Oh, yeah, and we, again, we couldn't watch three movies or what, seven or whatever, how many movies there are with uh, Luke whining about wanting to go to Tossie Station every movie. Like, just, <laughs> no. Like, we, we, Power we, couplers, yeah. yeah, we'd be all checked out. <laughs> so, okay, well, I'm going to hop back to mine real quick. So I said Empire, New Hope, Force Awakens, uh, Revenge of the Sith uh, is four, just because I just, again, I love it. Uh, I think the... The saber battle i've said this on the last round table that was my favorite because it's just it was so epic 
You mean, and again, I'm a layman watching it, and I'm like, yeah, I'm completely entertained. I've been waiting to see Vader's turn and have that explained to me. Yeah, there are a ton of issues, and I get it, but no, that's, I love that movie. Um, number five, Jedi, for reasons, hey, it's Jedi. Um, I, again, that might be a little nostalgia from getting to go see it at the theater and completing my childhood trilogy. Uh, next is uh, Rogue One. Um, just, you know, I, I really, really liked it. Like that was, you mean, just one of those, I just, it was, it was fantastic and I'd love to put it higher, but we're on a Star Wars list. If I was having, if you threw five other movies in there, Rogue One would be a lot higher. (laughs) You know what I mean? But we're talking about all the movies. Uh, last two is, uh, Attack of the Clones and Phantom Menace is my least favorite of them all. I'm not, I, I like it, but you mean, if I have a choice if i'm watching you mean seven of the eight i'm phantom menace is staying on the shelf and if for no other reason than just it's just they i like the other ones better if that makes yeah. any sense absolutely <laughs> awesome okay so um we're we're just about wrapping up here so that again that's i don't think any surprises on our on our list i don't think uh what do you do you think do you because we went in the force awakens saying oh my god we might see the next greatest movie we might see the next empire uh this last jedi it's the second movie in the in the trilogy do you think it's going to go empire or like we have on our list or yeah like the you guys ranking them last is going to go by way of the attack of the clones <laughs> what do you what do you no. think steve what do you think you first do you think uh um i think i am optimistic and excited about what they have planned for the last Jedi. Right. Um, I think a lot of just those, you know, force awakens was just a taste. I think, you know, they're really going to get into the meat of the story with the last Jedi. Right. So, you know, tonally, you know, I think we're going to go in the way of empire. Is it going to hit empire caliber? I don't know. Are we going to have that? I am your father moment. Um, we kind of already had the, I am your father moment with Han Solo. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, that's kind of also my thing with Force Awakens. I almost felt like the Force Awakens was like a love letter to all three movies in the original, rather than just a New Hope. You know, starting with like, you know, we started on a desert. We started, you know, we had the icy planet. We had the Death Star blowing up the end. All those things happened throughout. Yeah. The, so that's why I kind of like see it. So I think they're going to take go Empire, but go in like a different direction. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. good. Eric, what do you think? You just, you just. Grabbing your ticket and popcorn and hoping for hoping for the best, or uh, regardless of what the movie is, I'm incredibly stoked to see it. Uh, I think, uh, man, it needs to have the same atmosphere as Empire. At least I I believe it 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 should have that same atmosphere. Right. But I also think it it cannot be as similar to Empire as The Force Awakens was to New Hope. I think that'll be incredibly detrimental. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. And I think if I can just one last thing on these on these movies, I think the the success of Force Awakens, for for all it's worth, you mean with and I know there's a lot of opinions about it, but it is what is it, the number one movie of all time now, like as far as box office? Like what happened was Phantom Menace, everybody got so hyped for it and like we when everybody's so excited for something that bar was so high if you walked into Phantom Menace and didn't know anything about Star Wars you would have walked out with your mind blown like you know what I mean but 
because we had that bar so high and like it's like oh look at lucas he's doing everything on his own he's doing it all digital look at the technology he has and now he can has all the money in the world he was unlimited funds it was almost like it was like you I mean it's like you like giving a sports team you know, here's all the money in the world and you can sign every player and then they all show up and they all stink you know I mean like it's it was one of those <laughs> things you know I mean it just but i think the little bit of lunch lunch bag letdown with phantom menace when it came out you mean, like I said, I like the movie, but again, you mean, I think that tempered our expectations for Force Awakens. So we, everybody of the age that went into the theater to see Phantom Menace and was like, oh, I was expecting something more or different or for whatever reason, you mean, whatever the reasons were, they, we were like, okay, once bitten, twice shy type thing. Yeah, fool me once, shame on you. So we all went to the theater going, oh, you mean, like, we know this can go bad. When Phantom Menace came out, we never expected it to be anything but, you mean, Empire Part 2. Like, it was just, we, we, I think it set itself up. But I think the, that critical, not, the, the Phantom Menace being unsuccessful cr- critically set us up to be more happy with seeing Force Awakens. What do you think, Steve? Do you think that, is there any sense to that? Um, no, absolutely makes sense. Um, I did not have that kind of experience. Um, just as I, I think I probably told you and I mentioned on the podcast, like, you know, I got Star Wars a little later in life. Right. So like my fiance introduced it to me and I got kind of episodes one through six in one shot. Okay. I mean, I watched New Hope to Jedi and then went back and watched one, two and three. But um, I kind of knew kind of what to expect. So, I mean, similar in the sense is that like I knew what people liked and didn't like. Right. You know, my fiance is like. One, he, he he does not like one two three, but um, he's like these aren't as good, and I kind of got went into it prefaced with that, right? So I was like, okay, and I was like, but I'm but I, I the funny thing is I went in determined to find something I liked, right? You know, so I was like, okay, I like this from Phantom. I like you know I like the lightsaber battle in Phantom with Maul. I like this in Clone Wars. I like this in three. So you know I, I'm good at finding things that I can enjoy regardless right. of the overall quality. Yeah. Um, so similar in that sense was like, it could be either, but I love JJ Abrams just in general. Um, so, you know, I was a big lost fan. I liked what he did with star Trek. So I was like, I trust him enough that I felt good going into the force. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Uh, Eric, you got the final word on this. You think, uh, I'm not, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure how old you are or how, what, what your experience was with Phantom Menace, but what do you, what do you think? Is there any validity thinking, well, maybe it's that not having the critical success made us viewing Force Awaken with more, like more tempered uh, expectations. Yeah, I can definitely agree with the kind of recovering from Phantom Menace going into the Force Awakens. I can definitely see how that would contribute to feeling that way. Um, And I, I would agree. Uh, I was, gosh, I saw The Phantom Menace, I was like seven or eight when that okay. came out. So yeah, I'm only, I'm going to be 25 later this oh, year. So I'm, I'm quite young, but the the, uh, the prequels were the ones that I grew up with. Um, I saw the original trilogy first, but meaning right. those are the ones on the theaters. And I think it's a really interesting perspective when you speak to the people that saw the original trilogy in theaters and then... Uh, speak to the people that saw, you know, the prequels in the theaters, and now we have a new generation seeing, or, or that will see seven, eight, and nine in the theaters. 
And there's something to say for nostalgia, and that's definitely an influencing factor because a lot of a lot of younger people that saw the prequels in theaters will tend to favor those movies, at least from my experience, from right. what I've seen, my own anecdotal uh, experiences. Well, but, of course, uh, yeah. It's, it's like it's like you I mean you get a you reach an age where people like uh, there's a certain timeline where people love Jar Jar because when they were kids it was just the greatest thing. That same thing, people my age. Um, there's people that love Ewoks, but then and you watch them because they were kids when they saw them. You know what I mean? Like it's one of those, it's one of those things. But when you watch everything in hindsight, it's like, oh, that's that's not for me. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Completely. <laughs> awesome. Well, you know what, guys? I think for uh, for a short panel, I think we did uh, we did okay, and we uh, we got another episode of the TSW Roundtable completed. So um, before we go, I'm just gonna whip around the table and tell everybody what you're doing. Uh, you have any other? side pod projects outside of star wars or where you can be reached or if people want to you may reach out to you on twitter or any social medias so uh steve the floor is yours you got anything on the um i will actually be recording an episode of journals of the willing after this podcast in about an hour so keep an eye open for that Excellent. um you can uh, everyone can find me on twitter at g-i-o-a-n-g-o fet that's joango fet excellent and uh say hi to kyle for me so when when you when you when you speak to him, um, Eric, where can everybody find you or your show or what's uh, what's 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 your spiel? Yeah, uh, we uh, our podcast is new episode every Monday with some bonus ones thrown in from time to time, and you can find us and check us out at SD Sabers or San Diego Sabers dot net. Uh, all the links to the podcast episodes are there, as well as all of our social media stuff. Excellent. Okay, uh, myself, you can find me. I'm on Twitter, at Robert MMCast, and also I do uh, TSW Comics along with this show with uh, Mark from the Talk Star Wars, and that's, uh, of course, if you're listening to this, you're listening to it on the Talk Star Wars feed. Um, also, check out my YouTube stuff with the Under the Dome uh, with Robert Cast. That's my uh, R2-D2 build uh, as part of the Astromex Builders Club. It's not a tutorial. Uh, you're not going to have to sit there and watch me polish aluminum for 20 minutes it's basically a progress hey this is what i've done so far so check that out if you want to see what i'm doing there and also uh i got a weekly uh podcast it's kind of a, a comedy thing it's uh i get together with my good buddy roman the roman podcast it has nothing to do with star wars but it is you know it's a you know it's it's one of those shows it's not for kids but it's one of those uh hopefully if you get a long commute and you listen to that once a week it'll give you a giggle and uh and uh and you can get a laugh along with us so until next time uh guys thank you so much for uh coming on the show and uh san diego sabers it's awesome to have you on the network and i'm glad uh, eric you were you were making an appearance and also please uh wish your partner well i understand uh steve he wasn't feeling He's having a – he has to get better. <laughs> yes. Yes. He shall be taking it easy for a little while. Excellent. Yeah. So uh, we uh, we wish him uh, warm wishes. And uh, Steve, I have you now. You are part of my tumbling sec- – I have my complete <laughs> collection. I have got them all, uh, Steve. And we've we've done – we podcast before on Journals of Willing actually. Yeah. And it's always a pleasure and uh, always a good time talking to you. So – Yeah. Thank you for having me. Until next month, uh, we'll see you next time. Later.